0: Let's open our copy of God's Word once again to Mark chapter number 3, the Gospel of Mark chapter number 3, and I want to go again to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we come to you once again now as we begin to look into your Word, we ask for your leadership. I ask for your anointing, the anointing and the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would illuminate my mind and loose my tongue and enable me to say those things that you won't say. I pray that you would help us to speak clearly, and I pray that you would open the minds and the hearts of your people, that they would hear your voice and not mine. I pray that they would hear from God this morning, and each and every one of our hearts would be transformed by your word. We ask these things for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's uh, once again read verses 1 through 19. And he entered again into the synagogue... And there was a man there which had a withered hand. Now you uh, remember that last time we talked about these two uh, synagogue sections, or these two Sabbath day sections, excuse me, uh, verses 23 through 28 in chapter number 2, Jesus uh, confronted, or uh, I guess... And I think what I said before was he's orchestrated this whole thing to confront the Pharisees about their misunderstanding and their misuse of the Sabbath day. And then in chapter 3 verse number 1 he enters into a synagogue on another Sabbath day and here he is Confronted with a man who has a withered hand, Luke tells us that the man—it was the man's right hand—that was withered, and uh, and so this man is hindered, isn't he? I guess I'm starting to preach instead of just read, right? But uh, well, let me just say this before I go any further. Then uh, uh, I'm going to probably be preaching about three sermons or maybe even four on this chapter and uh, this morning I just want to walk through these verses and uh, just give us an idea of what's going on here and then next time we'll talk about the kingdoms in conflict the uh, and this is the title of the series kingdoms in conflict, and we want to identify the kingdoms, and we want to identify the characteristics of the kingdoms and the strategies of the two kingdoms, and so we want to talk about that, and then uh, uh, eventually, I want to talk about why Jesus chose Judas, But this morning, I want to just walk through these verses. And so I think I'll do that. Rather than just reading them again, I'll walk through them and we will see what's going on here. And as we said, Jesus is again in a synagogue uh, on a Sabbath day. And he is uh, confronted by a man whose right hand is withered. And this is a, uh, a, a society an agrarian society. It's a society where uh, most people had to work for a living. You had to work even if you were uh, on welfare, so to speak. You know, God had set a way for the poor and the needy and for the strangers and for the widows. If uh, when a person uh, reaped the harvest of his uh, Crop. He wasn't to reap the corners, and if he dropped a little bit, he was to leave it for people to come behind and uh, and and get those things for the poor. So even if you were poor, you're kind of required to work for it, <laughs> for what you got. And so they. Uh, so uh, this is a man who is not whole physically. He's a man who is suffering. He's a man that is uh, uh, not uh, able to uh, be at uh, his best as far as providing for himself, and maybe for his family. And so Jesus sees this man, and I don't know whether the Pharisees had uh, uh, put him there on purpose or not to try to catch Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me, but I do know that they were watching him very closely. Verse number 2 says, And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. And so they were looking for Jesus to do something that they could accuse him of. And, uh, and he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And, I'm, uh, and I said this the last time, but I'm amazed at how Jesus did this, knowing what their thoughts were. What Jesus did was he just told the man to stand up, and come forward, and, and he said to those that were watching him to try to catch him in breaking the Sabbath. He said to them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. They didn't say anything. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, now Jesus has compassion for this man who has the withered hand, but when he knows the thoughts and the heartlessness of the Pharisees, he looks around about on them with anger, <clears throat> with wrath, with uh, with orge, with that wrath, that holy burning wrath of God. And he says... Uh, And and it's because of the hardness or the blindness or the senselessness of their hearts. And he saith unto the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out. Jesus did not say, be thou healed. Jesus did not touch the hand. But according to the narrative, Jesus said, stretch out your hand. And as he stretched out his hand, it became whole like the other hand. How do you accuse him of healing somebody? How do you accuse him of breaking the Sabbath? All he did was say, stand up, stick out your hand. And the guy's hand became whole just like the other. But look at the response <clears throat> of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him. How they might destroy him. If you look at Luke's, uh, Luke's version of this. Luke says that uh, uh, they were filled with madness. Madness. And I looked up that word, and it means that they lost their minds with anger. They just went nuts. They were they were crazy, angry because Jesus had done this, and they couldn't they couldn't figure out a way to accuse him. And so they went out and uh, and straightway took counsel with the Herodians. Now this is one of those uh cases where uh, you, you have to say the uh the enemy of my enemy is my friend, you know <laughs> these these were this was a not a match made in heaven for sure. The Pharisees were the strict conservative law keepers. They were the ones who held the law and Moses in high esteem. They loved the law so much that they even added to the law and they made it even more intricate and detailed than it even was meant to be. And they were the uh, people who hated the fact that Rome had come and usurped their authority, their kingdom, and taken over their kingdom. They saw them as invaders. They saw them as occupiers, and they hated Rome. The Herodians, on the other hand, were a political party that favored the Herods, the leaders that Rome had placed over them. Can you see how that would be like oil and water? But when Jesus came along, the Herodians were suspicious of him because they were afraid he was going to take control. And the Pharisees were not suspicious. They'd already confronted him. They were already angry with him and they already wanted him dead. And so they straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. So he goes down to the seashore. A great multitude from Galilee. Let me just read this section here because this is amazing. I don't know if you have ever been to a third world country or not, but if you've ever been to a third world country and you see the poverty and the suffering, you see people who are sick and and uh, uh, crippled and blind and every disease you can imagine, and they have no welfare system in some of these countries and people have to get out on the street and beg for everything they get. They beg for food, they beg for money, they beg for clothing and they are in terrible shape and you see people like that and you say, man, I I wish I could do something and you pull out some change and you try to give somebody a little something and suddenly you're just slammed. Any of you ever experienced anything like that? They just come from everywhere. If you're, uh, and you know, we spend a lot of time in Mexico I've uh, seen people at the border. <clears throat> when you're trying to cross the border, you know, the cars, traffic is lined up and just people are just everywhere. And if you start to try just out of the, brokenness of your heart try to do something for somebody that you just surrounded well this is the picture that we're going to get here listen to what it says jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea and a great multitude from galilee followed him and from judea now galilee is uh, a uh, an area and it's not just a city. Galilee is uh, this area that, uh, in which uh, they are. And he says people from Galilee followed him. People from Judea, that's south. People from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is in Judea, but Jerusalem is further south. And from Idumea, which is even further south. And from beyond Jordan, that's east. That's the area of Decapolis from the geography of where they were. That's the area of Decapolis. Ten cities. That's what Decapolis means. And you can look on a map and you can count them. There are ten cities. And so you've got people from that area. And people from Tyre. And Sidon, that is northwest of them, and a great multitude, when they heard what great things he did, came unto him. Now, just imagine this. What if, now I live in a, a, a poor community, some of you have been to my house, and it's uh, not the best of neighborhoods, but it's a small area. Just imagine if someone like Jesus were to show up there who could meet all the needs of everyone in that little community. Just in that community, imagine as soon as the word got out, just imagine what would happen. They would surround him. Is that right? Do you think that would be the way it was? Well, then think of if uh, then the word gets out and and they start coming from Mims and from Titusville and from Port St. John and from the east, from Merritt Island and Cocoa Beach and from the south, from Cocoa and Rockledge and, and maybe even as far as Melbourne and they start just imagine. Well, this is what's going on, and can you imagine Jesus being in a, an area like this, and all the people who are sick, all the people who are lame? We already know that that uh, uh, they had brought a lame man to him in chapter number two people had carried a lame man to him we know that uh, he had touched a leper because that leper came to him beseeching him if you will you can make me whole and so these are all the people with plagues the bible says from Jerusalem, from Idumea, from beyond Jordan, and about Tyre, and Sidon, a great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him, and he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him, because of the multitude, lest they should throng him or crush in around him. And he had, for he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues. I just can't, could you see this? Can you imagine what's going on there and how difficult that might have been for Jesus and the disciples? But can you imagine the suffering humanity? And they're trying to get to Jesus. The thing about it is there's some of them who sincerely want to hear Him. Some of them who want to follow Him. Who who want to know Him. Some of them are His enemies. They want to find something that they can use against Him. And some of them just want to see miracles happen. It's kind of like a sideshow to them. And some of them just want what they can get from Him. So they're not all there because they're sincere. It's not, they're not all there because they want to follow Jesus And then there are the unclean spirits. Verse 11, And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Well, you've got to give them this. They had good theology. They knew who Jesus was. But Jesus did not want to be known by their testimony. He wanted the testimony of the Father, the testimony of the Holy Spirit, the testimony of His works, and the testimony of His teaching to be what brought men to Him. And so He straightly, strictly charged them that they should not make Him known. And I just kind of by way of illustration i shared this with uh brother art and russ the other and and probably jack the other night but uh just to kind of this is what occurred to me as to why jesus would stop the unclean spirits from declaring who he was uh years ago i witnessed to a guy and he uh, was a pretty wicked old guy uh, actually is a very wicked guy, and I witnessed to him, but for some reason we hit it off and uh uh and he appreciated me witnessing to him so much that uh he started coming every maybe three times a week i was I've always gotten up early and gone to my study and and uh prayed and stuff and so I was in my study. Every morning and about three times a week, he'd come and knock on my door and he'd say, come on preacher, I want to take you to breakfast. So we'd go to breakfast and after breakfast, he was a contractor. And so he had these framing crews and, and uh, land prep crews and roofing crews and different places where he had construction going on and and he'd take me around and show me all these things and introduce me to people and he'd say this here's my preacher i want you to come hear him preach and i thought that was great you know but they said yeah he's your preacher i wouldn't want to hear him preach You see, it doesn't work out the way you think it will. You, it doesn't work out. It wouldn't. You think, man, looks to me like Jesus. But since they're from the spirit world, maybe he should let them tell who he is because they know. But you see, it doesn't work that way. They're trying to align themselves with him and he sees through that. And he does not want their testimony. He wants the testimony of the Scripture, he wants the testimony of his works. He wants the testimony of the Spirit and of the of the Father. And then in verse number thirteen, we read about Jesus as he begins to uh, call his disciples, and he goeth up into a mountain. Now, let me stop right there and mention this. Have you ever noticed this about Jesus? When the crowds start coming, most of the time, if we could get a crowd, we'd say, yeah, that's success. But when the great multitude started coming to Jesus, he always did something to run a bunch of them off. He'd go up into a mountain. As a matter of fact, if you read in Matthew, in the first chapters of Matthew, Matthew 5 through 7, where he gave the Sermon on the Mount, there was a great multitude that was following him, so he went up on the mountaintop. And he went to a place where, if you wanted to hear what Jesus had to say, you had to have, uh, you had to put forth a do or die effort. You know? And, uh, And then John chapter 6, remember when he... Uh, fed that uh, multitude, 5,000. And uh, I mean, he had a crowd then. And so he started preaching to them about bread and about his body being bread and him being the bread that came down from heaven and all those things. And it was just hard to hear. And the Bible said many of them went back and didn't follow him anymore. This is kind of the way Jesus operated. He goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should... Now listen, listen to this. First thing, I don't think the order of this is... uh, By happenstance. He ordained 12 that first of all they should be with him. That they should be with him. This is. Are you hearing me? This is the prerequisite to ministry. To be with him. I think about what we'll find over in chapter 5. You remember when Jesus went to Gadara on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And the demoniacs saw him and ran to him. And Jesus cast the demons out of him. They went into the swine and uh, drowned. And the people came to see what had happened. And they saw that demoniac. Clothed, and in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. There's where ministry comes from. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. And listen to me. I I don't know if you can hear what I'm about to say or not. I mean, I don't know that you have spiritual ears to hear what I'm about to say or not. But some people have Jesus as a theological concept. And they don't know that Jesus is a person. He's a real person. And this section right here kind of shows us Jesus as as a real guy, a real person. It says, He ordained twelve that they should be with Him. Number two, that He might send them forth to preach. He's going to make... He's going to make... uh, creatures out of him herald out of them heralds out of them the word that he uses here caruso is to herald forth a message and the message that he intends for them to herald and to declare is the same message that he is preaching the time has come the kingdom of god is at hand repent and believe the gospel That's the message that he's sending them forth to preach. And in verse number 15, he says, And to have power or authority, exousia, to have authority to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. So you say, well, preacher, is that that what you're supposed to be doing? Well, remember that at this point, and I think I've said this before, but at this point, Jesus has come bringing the kingdom and much of the characteristics, a preview, if you will, of the kingdom and much of the characteristics of the kingdom are going to be displayed. And we'll talk more about that in, a, uh, in another message but are being displayed during this time. And so one reason why He's giving them power or authority to heal diseases and cast out demons is because in the kingdom, wholeness will be ours. (laughs) We won't be sick anymore. Sorrow and death and pain will pass away. We may have already, as a matter of fact, been to our last funeral. You don't know. I mean, all those things are going to be passed away. And so uh, this is a preview of what the kingdom, when it comes in all of its glory, will be like. But not only that, it is confirmation. God gave them the ability to perform miracles, to have signs that confirmed that God had sent them. Let me read to you from Hebrews chapter number 1. It's right here. It's right here in my Bible. All right. Hebrews 1, verse, excuse me, 2, excuse me, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Listen. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Now, did you hear this? Was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Now, who's those, who are those that heard Him? Those are the apostles, right? Began to be spoken by the Lord, was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to His own will. So... Jesus is going to send these men out to preach. He's going to send them to different cities to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And somebody's going to say, Why should I believe you? And God gave them the ability, the the ability to cast out demons, to heal sicknesses. And this is to confirm. That they are, their message is true. Well, today, you know those miracles, uh, when Jesus ascended, He had breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Uh, On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended on believers and the, the apostles, began to have this power. And, uh, and I mean, in some cases, just the shadow of, uh, of Peter falling on somebody would be healed. And, and so, but as you see, as you read the book of Acts, as time goes on, those things begin to fade. And by the end of the apostolic era, when all the apostles were gone and the word of God was complete, those miracles ceased. There's one going. I think. No? Just a truck? Oh, (laughs) motorcycle? I thought we had a rocket going up. So... The uh, the miracles are for a kingdom time when the kingdom is in its full display, its full array, and all the sickness and all the death, and all the sorrow, all the suffering, it will all be over. And then let me hurry and finish this. He says, the scripture says. Uh, in verse sixteen, and Simon he surnamed Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, and he surnamed them both Energies, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Canaanite or Simon Zelotes and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. And they went into an house. I don't have time to deal with all these names, but I do want you to notice this. And I, I got this from John MacArthur. I was uh, reading his uh, sermon called 12... Uh, 12 ordinary men, 12 ordinary men, and he uh, did some studies on these names, but he brought out this point, and I'll I'll say more about it uh, in the next sermon, but he brought out this point that uh, Jesus gave some of them nicknames, and some of them had nicknames already, And, uh, and he pointed out that this is this is a group of 12 guys that are going to be together for 24-7 for the next three years plus. And, uh, and they're, they're just guys. And they are with Jesus. And Jesus is a guy too. He's the God man. He is God incarnate. There's no doubt about that. But he is fellowshipping with them. He's interacting with them. He's joking with them. And he gives some nicknames. One of them is Thaddeus. And I was shocked to find out what Thaddeus means. It means mama's boy. (laughs) And they called James, uh, James, uh, the uh, son of Alphaeus, they called him James the Less. That's the way it is in the King James, but it's little James. And just, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get you to see is that Jesus is more Than a theological concept. He was more than a theological concept. While he was on earth. He was a man. He was a person. He interacted with people. Like you and I interact with people. He had a smile. He could joke. He could have fun together with people. And he is just the same. In heaven. He is a person. And so when you come to him, don't, uh, and I'm not trying to get you to conjure up an image or anything, but just know you have a brother in heaven. You have a human representative in heaven who knows you. He knows all about you, and he loves you, and you can fellowship with him. Okay. Let's bow. Father, I pray that you just take these scattered comments and truths and touch our hearts with them. Help us to remember them. Cause us to know you, to want to know you more. To behold you from our hearts. To fellowship with you daily. We ask these things Mm -hmm. for your glory from Jesus'